This is Next Stop Now, a show about experiments in repurposing life, with stories of people who have changed their lives to change the world. I'm Jocelyn Apicello. Next Stop Now is a production of the Ecological Citizens Project. I'm one of the co-founders. Part of what we do at the ECP is try to learn about different ways to approach work and life in order to build a more equitable, healthy, sustainable world. In my work, I've had the privilege of teaching in various college settings as a public health professor, and each semester I'm amazed by some of the students' commitment to these ideas of equity, health, and sustainability. Most of these inspiring students I meet in a prison classroom, where I teach college-level courses as part of the Bard Prison Initiative Program. Each of their stories of change is inspiring. But I can reflect on one of my students where I truly remember witnessing his transformation. Back in 2013, I was teaching a course on public health and food justice in one of the correctional facilities. One of my students, while extremely bright, an excellent writer, excellent communicator, came to my class with a skeptical eye, ready to move into the biotechnology world once he was released. But over the course of the semester, after introducing him to the social sciences and watching him interact with his peers and the diverse public health course material, he completed the course committed to pursuing a public health career. He went on to take biostatistics with me. Then he completed his bachelor's degree at Hunter, where I was also teaching once he was released. And he even went on to receive his master's in public health at Columbia's Mailman School of Public Health. This student, Rich, is now working at New York City's Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. He has an inspiring story of personal change. So our producer, Isabel Angel, sat down with him one afternoon in a park in Queens to ask him to reflect on the changes in his life and how his work now is a part of the movement to build a more equitable, healthy, sustainable world. The world that I envision is one where everybody in society experiences empathy and compassion and understanding for all individuals, regardless of how they act in life, regardless of what their mental health status might be. So I'm Richard Gamara. I'm from Flushing, Queens, born and raised. I'm 30 years old. I'm a father of an 11-year-old daughter named Isabella. I currently work at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene as a data analyst for a program called Co-Response. Co-Response is a new collaborative initiative launched by the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene and the New York City Police Department that takes a new look and a new approach at handling situations that have an element of mental health. Across the country, typically what we'll see is somebody will see somebody who might be displaying symptoms of a mental illness and they might call 911 because they feel that an ambulance is required to treat this person or to take this person to a hospital. And ambulances are usually never dispatched without a squad car coming. And in the squad car, you'll usually have two police officers who probably don't have crisis intervention team training, who probably don't have a deeper understanding or competency in regards to mental health. And they often arrive on the scene before the ambulance does and sometimes those situations are mishandled where an individual might be incarcerated, they might be 
a victim of uh, use of force, or sometimes in unfortunate circumstances, they might be killed. So when there's an individual in New York City for whom there is some concern due to mental health issues, with Correspond, we can dispatch a team of two officers and one licensed clinical social worker that have crisis intervention team training. And the hope is that we can send a response that is a mixture of law enforcement and public health that can better serve the needs of an individual who may or may not be in crisis. The narrative has always been people with mental illness are unpredictable, they're violent, they're dangerous to be around, and the response has typically been send them to jail and while they're incarcerated they'll receive some level of treatment and they won't be in our communities posing a threat to citizens. And this program brings a new approach and basically says, you know what, people with mental illness are still people that need services, that need some sort of help, and public health professionals and law enforcement professionals are well equipped and should be well trained to handle situations in which there might be a risk of violence, and they should have the capacity to connect people to resources that they need so that that risk of violence is mitigated. So this is not something that I ever really thought about when I was growing up. When I was growing up, I never really had any meaningful interactions with law enforcement or with clinical health professionals until I started going in and out of the correctional system. And my time in institutions showed me you know, how many people were in custody who had mental illness, and it also showed me how they were being treated. Their symptoms of mental health were being misunderstood or being misinterpreted as behavioral issues and they were being assaulted and they were being put in punitive segregation and it's always something that I felt was actually contributing to further um, mental deterioration. So when the opportunity arose to be a part of this program with Correspondence, I was like, wow, there's really an opportunity here to shift the narrative of how we think about individuals with mental illnesses and how we change the way that we approach them and connect them to services. I was incarcerated for about almost seven years and although the entire experience of incarceration is filled with trauma and traumatic experiences, there is always one that really sticks out to me, something that I remember very vividly as if it just had just happened yesterday and that was when I was in solitary confinement, I had a neighbor who I knew clearly had some sort of mental health disorder. And he had been in solitary confinement for about four or five years at the time, and he had about three years left. And I had experienced him mentally decompensating to a point where he wanted to get out of solitary, he wanted to get out of his cell so bad that as soon as his cell door opened one day, he assaulted an officer because he felt that that was the only way to get off of that particular cell block, to get out of that particular cell. He must have gotten to a point of desperation that was so severe that he felt that assaulting an officer would be the only way that he would get the attention that he would need from a psychologist or psychiatric team. You know, he kicked an officer and 
the officers pulled him out of his cell and they basically beat him for about five to ten minutes on the tier while he was handcuffed and this was all happening literally right in front of the cell where I was so there was nothing that I could have done to not hear this to not witness it to not see it because this is a person who's being physically abused literally three or four feet away from me there was nothing that I could do to intervene none of us could intervene because we were all locked in ourselves no matter what we told the officers whether we told them hey stop that's not right you shouldn't do that you know they took it upon themselves to dole out a beating that was so severe that this individual almost died in front of us and I remember I remember that incident as, as if it had just happened yesterday and I remember just always saying to myself this shouldn't be happening you know these are supposed to be law-abiding professionals who are supposed to be concerned with the safety and security of individuals in the correctional system and here they are perpetrating abuses that are almost rendering individuals with mental illness lifeless because they don't understand that somebody has a sincere and severe need for mental health services so experiencing that that event is something that really drove me to working on improving the way that we view and treat individuals with mental illness in the in communities and in the correctional system Before, before this role at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, I actually worked for New York City Health and Hospitals for the Division of Correctional Health Services, which oversees all of the uh, mental health care, the medical health care, dental health care for individuals in the New York City jail system. And I actually helped implement and evaluate the crisis intervention team training for corrections officers and staff members on Rikers. And after the training, I had the opportunity to walk around with the crisis intervention teams around the jails and I was able to witness them respond to phone calls that had to do with individuals with some sort of mental illness so they would get a they would get a call over the walkie-talkie and say there's an individual in mod 9 who is currently holding a razor and wants to complete a suicide so they would deploy a team and the team would go and approach the individual in a very in a very calm manner and say, hey, like, what's going on? Rather than the typical, hey, put that razor down before we go in and beat you up and put you in solitary. So it was, it was an amazing experience to be able to witness law enforcement and healthcare professionals respond to somebody who was holding a razor, who may have posed a risk to themselves or to others, and talk to the person, whether it be for five minutes or half an hour or an hour, to just get the person to a point where they might just willingly surrender that razor and say you know what I'm willing to speak to a counselor so it was it was a really great experience I feel like the world that I envision is one in which we take the time to understand what has happened in people's lives that caused them to act a certain way where we start to understand what are the circumstances around an individual's upbringing, around their education, around their family life, around their socials, on the social life, that contributes to why people grow up and do the things that they do so that we can have a more holistic and empathetic understanding of individuals. I feel like we're not going to treat people equally and equitably until 
we start looking at everybody as human beings who all experience life differently, who all react to life differently. And this program with Co-Response and the work that I'm doing, I feel is contributing to changing that narrative, not only among law enforcement officers, but also among community members who may now see somebody and say, this person needs help rather than this person should be locked up and put away somewhere where they can't harm me. It's going to be slow, but the change is coming. And who knows, maybe five or 10 years down the line, this model that we use in co-response of two officers and a clinical social worker with crisis intervention team training might be the norm. It might be the normal response when you see a squad car driving down the street. And it would be something that would symbolize a law enforcement and public health success where we'll be able to marry two approaches in a way that can really benefit all members of the community that can really reduce the risk of violence, that can really increase a sense of public safety. And we are on a path now where we're going to see less uses of force, less incarceration, and just better outcomes for everybody in communities. Rich Gamara, MPH, BPI graduate, proud dad, social justice warrior. I hope you enjoyed his story. Music from this episode is by Poddington Bear. This episode was produced by Isabel Angel, with editorial help from Jason Angel. Next Stop Now is a production of the Ecological Citizens Project, which grows citizen-led campaigns to build a more just, healthy, democratic, and sustainable way of life. Jason and I are the co-founders of the ECP. You can learn more about our work and mission at ecologicalcitizens.org. Sometimes you just need a little inspiration to take that leap in your life. Maybe you'll find that in these stories. The next stop is now.